This morning I am glad to be here with you. I would prefer just to stay sitting. Um, Brother Lyle says he hasn't preached for a while. Well, that doesn't happen in our congregation. There's two of us that kind of rotate back and forth. But our poor deacon, he had to have council meeting and then communion service. And now another uh, message for this morning. But I think he gets a visitor speaker next Sunday. So I'd like to ask the children to come forward here. I really love children, and you're dear to my heart. So I have something special for you this morning. So I'd like all the children to come forward. And you get to do something special this morning. Well, we'll, we'll just sit here. You older guys can just stay there. You just fill in them benches there. We can walk around. Just fill in there, get nice and comfortable. Okay, there's another bench there. We'll fill that one up. All is good. Young man, you just help yourself to a bench here. We're, we're good. Okay, children, can you see what I have in my hand? What is it? You want to smell it? Does it smell good? Uh, she says, yeah. Hey, young man, you want to smell my soap? You want to lick it? No? You have a tongue, don't you? Nobody wants to lick my soap. Doesn't taste like cocoa. I'm not sure what kind of soap this is. My wife didn't make this one. You want to smell it? You want to lick it? Come on. Y'all have tongues, right? Jace, you want to lick it? Sure. Hey, how does it taste? Not bad. Okay. Josh, has he ever had a lick of bar of soap before? Yes, he says yes, okay. How come? Did you say something you shouldn't say? Yeah. Sometimes we say stuff we shouldn't say. And because we keep saying something we shouldn't say, all of a sudden, mama or papa says, okay, lick the soap. We all been there, right? Lyle, I think, Brother Lyle, he's been there maybe more than once. You've been there too? Okay, young people, you get up, turn around, stick out your tongue. Come on, hop up. You get a privilege this morning, something your parents would never allow you to do before. Now just turn around, stick out your tongue. You all got a tongue? Come on, don't be shy. Okay, you all have a tongue. What do you use it for? Okay, you can put it back in. It isn't very pretty, is it? But God gave us all a tongue. We could ask the older people to stick out theirs too, couldn't we? But we won't do that this morning. They might be too shy to do that. And so, soap we use to clean ourselves. And sometimes our tongue says bad things, so 
we have to, you know, scrub our tongue to purify our tongue. So your song leader is going to come up here and sing you a song. It's called, Oh, Be Careful, Little Tongue. What you say? Okay. I'll let you. Well, you can do it from there. They're all looking at you. They want to sing again. I could hardly hear them. Okay, thank you. You can go back to your parents. If I keep you entertained up here, I'd leave you up here. But So this morning we want to focus in on the tongue. Since we all have one, we know what it's for. But the Bible tells us don't you find the Bible interesting at times? It tells us, well, we can turn to Matthew chapter 12. In verse uh, 33 it says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye be in evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man now, the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man now, the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men should speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You know, I find in the New Testament, in the Gospels, God or Jesus is using something they could connect with. There was a tree. This tree was corrupt, and this one was good. And I remember back on the farm in Virginia, we had these two big old pear trees. And I would always wonder, when was they planted, or did they just happen to be pear trees in Virginia? Or did someone plant them? But I remember going out there every fall or summer, and I'd like to have a nice pear. And you bite into it, and you throw it away. It's mealy. It was gross. It wasn't pleasant to eat. And I don't recall ever having a good pear off them two trees. And so it reminded me of these verses here. You know, you have a corrupt tree, and you have a good tree, and that tree is known by its fruit. Them Pear trees didn't all of a sudden grow apple. Or um, My mom came from California, and she, like, we planted her uh, apricot tree. Well, that tree never did produce apricot either. I think they were 
maybe native to California and not Virginia. But we tried. And Jesus goes on, he calls these people vipers, a whole generation of them. Everything that comes out of the heart is by our mouth, by our tongue. And Jesus points out that even every idle word. You know, the last number of days, we've been doing a lot of conversing, talking, and We also was doing a lot of singing, and I was blessed by the singing we were doing. And says that by their words we'll be justified or condemned. And this fall I was hauling straw to a feedlot. And as I was getting ready to unload, another man came and says, By golly. And I was, what? You said that word? This fellow used to be a member in the church that I attended. And so we get used to the, we wouldn't use God's name in vain, but we use words like gosh, gee whiz. In other words, oh boy, Judas priest, mercy sakes, great day. Oh my goodness, mercy sakes. You know, it goes on and on. And we have learned to flavor our conversation. Oh, we wouldn't use the Lord's name in vain, but these are expressions that we might as well use the Lord's name in vain. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I remember when I was young, I was thinking about being a heavy-duty mechanic. My dad said, no, you don't want to become a heavy-duty mechanic because heavy-duty mechanics, they kind of bust up their hands once in a while. You know, that wrench slips and, Some words come out of the mouth. And so you would be under the influence of this all the time. And then I remember my dad, he went with the neighbors off to an auction sale in North Carolina. And he comes back the next morning and he says, ah, shouldn't have done that. Them neighbors, they're using these words. And, you know, you hear them, they go in your mind. And all of a sudden, they come out of your mouth. And I spent three months working at auction sale. And there were words that were used there that would make a sailor blush. You know, I I could hardly believe the words that were said there. And they come into our minds, and we have to get rid of them. And Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 1 to 6, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet smell and savor. But fornication, all uncleanness, and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become a saints. 
neither filthiness or foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather given of thanks. For ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And so he gives us the way. We are followers of Christ. And so we walk as Christ would have us to do. And then there's these list of things we shouldn't be doing. Well, young fellas, you ever say, uh, come here, I have a joke for you. Um, I'm not sure if it's off-colored or shady or can be taken two ways, but, you know, it kind of tickled our ears, so we'd like to share it with you. And uh, I remember being at this feedlot, and they had an office there, and so I happened to be stopping in, and these fellows around the table, then they're talking, they said, well, John, you shouldn't be here. And I, oh, oh, oh. Shouldn't be here? Why? Well, they was doing exactly what verse 5 or 4 was talking about. Foolish talking, jesting, which were not convenient. Things that my ears should not be hearing. They knew that I stood for something different. And they, they welcomed me to the door, you know. Get out of here. We want to continue our filthy conversation. And so I was thinking about sometimes you're on the job site and you ever have one of those things where you have a comeback. You know, you're making a little bit of conversation and, oh, I got you better this time. And, and all of a sudden, hey, that one kind of stung, so I got to think of something better to come back on the next guy. And so around and around this thing goes. It says, but rather of giving thanks. Would not our day, a brother was singing songs about Thanksgiving. We have one day of the year about Thanksgiving. Should not every day be one of giving of thanks? You know, we live in a doom and gloom world. As people of God, we need to rise up to God's level and share how great God's love is, how great the life is that we can have in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4, verse 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. And so we're one body. We are to glorify God. In verse 24, Ephesians 4, it says, That ye have put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so, have any of you ever put on that new man that you never had a problem with your tongue ever since? I could ask your wife, uh, did, you, did your husband say something he shouldn't have said this past week? Or maybe you can turn that around. Did your wife say something she shouldn't have said this past week? You know, our tongues are quick to pop out, right? Or maybe you... Maybe y'all got a real sanctified tongue. You don't have problems with that anymore. But I know this old fella here hasn't got it all these. You know, the devil, Brother Vincent, was praying that that spirit 
the evil lurking one. He's here this morning. You know, we're in church. We probably won't say something we shouldn't say. But come here. I got something to tell you. Uh, did you hear about this over here? Um, we don't know if it's true, but we think maybe it is. What is that called? Gossip. Okay, thank you. Gossip. And so we were at a table yesterday. I didn't know your uncle was going to help my illustration here, Josh. But he was saying something about your grandpa. And he said, I don't know if it's true, so I'm not going there. I thought, well, thank you, brother. You're not going to go somewhere because you don't even know if it's true. But he could have said, yeah, that's exactly how it was, but I don't know if it's true. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we kind of think, well, why did you even open your mouth? But, you know, a lot of times we get caught up in that. And we start saying something that isn't true. Verse 25, it says, Therefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You know, speak that which is true. We don't flavor it this way or that way. Make people wonder how it is to be taken. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not your wrath go, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know, there has been times where I had to ask someone, forgive me. I know the sun's getting ready to go down. The conscience is pricking me. I've got to make something right. Why would I want to wait till tomorrow? Because tomorrow will may, may never come. It talks about God creating a new man. He takes this old piece of filthy garbage of humanity and God puts a right spirit, a right thinking in our minds. He wants us to follow after true holiness. And so I wonder, how many times has the sun gone down over unconfessed sin? How many times has the Holy Spirit been grieved because he has seen our action that doesn't match up to what the Word of God says? It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking, but put away from you with all malice. You know, sometimes we don't think people can hear. And so our voices raise, right? I find my wife, you know, she. I don't like to pick on my wife, but you know, as we get older, we can't hear so well. And she says, I can't hear you. And so you raise your voice. Well, now it sounds a little angry because we raised it up a notch. And it, I don't know. How do you speak softly and, but loud enough that sounds pleasant to the next person's ear? You know, and so all of a sudden we raise our voice. Ooh, you know, no, calm it down. And so... It's a journey we're learning, and you may have to learn that as well. And then, oh, then we have selective hearing. We turn it off, turn our hearing aids off. We don't need to listen. Or we can really hear. I remember my mother-in-law all said she could hear real good. 
what did you say? You're talking about me, right? You know, and so we start imagining things in our minds. And so we, we start that shouting match and then the bitterness is brought up and all the dirt and the slime pit and the hurtful past and the forgotten stuff and then we start falsely accusing one another. In verse 20 or 32 it says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Why is that so hard? Or maybe it's easy for you. If we make it a continual practice, it becomes a lot easier. You know, I have been in a meeting before and a person said, we're not going any further. Till you say, you're sorry. Till it's taken care of. Well, gladly. If that offended you, I can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it offended you. I didn't mean it that way. Let's take care of it. We can go on. Nope, I'm not going to say that. Well, you just said something that offended me, so we're not going to take care of it. And so we need to take care of things right away. Saves a lot of problems later on. We don't know when we will be brought before judgment. was in Idaho for a funeral for an 80-some-year-old man that I used to work for. In that area, there was an 18-year-old young man drowned. And I believe there was a 58-year-old man here that was killed by a drunk driver. You know, boom, your life is over. And you said something that was hurtful or something that wasn't taken care of. What would you do? Let's go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, I'd like to read the first three verses. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man is able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. As I understand, in the Old Test or New Testament times, they would have a synagogue, and this fellow would come up, and he'd start teaching, and that fellow would come up, and he'd start explaining what he sees in the Scripture. Next one comes up, and it seemed like they had many teachers. And then there in Luke chapter 2, we have this young man who is Jesus, He's just 12 years old. We have a 12-year-old here this morning. <clears throat> Anybody 12? Okay, why don't you just come up here and start teaching? Start preaching. Tell us how it's done. Would you feel comfortable? Probably not. But here we have, in Luke chapter 2, verse 46, and it came to pass that after three days... They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us, thus dealt with us? 
Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to him, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? You know, it just amazes me that that 12-year-old is just sitting there, the one who is the bread of life, who is the great I am, he's listening and he brings a question in and probably, well, he does, not probably. He knows the answer already. He knows what they're going to be thinking. You know, that would have been so interesting there. And so we have this setting here in James that tells us that we aren't to have many masters and tells us that we can control a horse. I have a granddaughter. She likes horses. And I'm sure she puts a bit in the horse's mouth, right? That What's your horse's name? Cortez. Cortez, I don't think, would be a very good horse. She just held on to the mane and said, let's go, Cortez. Cortez probably get back a flying right off. But she has some reins. She can bring that horse, turn it this way, that way pull it back and it just stops maybe it should go over but you know you can control a horse and uh, Josh and my sons were we went out to the Pacific Ocean fishing and I didn't check what was under the boat but I think it was a little thing rudder in the back here and we Josh fell asleep. He's kind of like Jesus, you know. The waves were going up and down, and my my stomach could hardly hold together. And Josh is sleeping in the bottom of the ship there. And, you know, that little rudder, it keep that ship right where we want it to go, or boat. And yet, the Bible tells us, even so the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now, we come from the prairie, and we get some of your, no, or you get some of our winds. So the last couple of days, you can maybe think in your mind that wind. Well, we get maybe that magnify that by two or three. That's kind of winds we sometimes get. So, if one of these young fellows would start a fire and get away from him, we would be in danger of getting burnt out because it just goes. Brother Lyle Miller was out our way one time, and there was a fire that was started, and we decided we were going to go check it out. Well, my wife was thinking we're getting too close. Let's get out of here because it was taken off. And it could almost make itself to the U.S. border, a fire that was out of control, no way of stopping it. And so the Bible likens our tongue to that. You say one little word, and it goes through and becomes a great fire that can't be put out. The tongue is to be used as a tool to teach. You know, maybe my message will offend some people this morning. God has used ordained leaders to lead the church. 
God holds us accountable to the church. The tongue is to be used to encourage one another. It talks about it boasting great things. You know, I've been in the ministry long enough to come to a conclusion that if most of our church problems starts with the tongue. Brother John, would you agree with me? Oh, huh? Yes, yeah. You know, if we'd just be quiet and listen, and we, our tender-hearted, our goodness for the next person would just be so overflowing. Yeah, but, you know, I have a point here. You better listen to me. And I have talked to my buddies. We're here ready for a good discussion. Well, why didn't you meet together how you can help solve this church problem, this church issue? And you would have came to the meeting. And Brother Lau is, wow, wow. These brethren are actually doing what the Bible teaches us. They got together, encouraged, they prayed. They didn't start this fire going. I mean, I, I was at a meeting one time, and it, it came to a place where it needed to be brought to the church. And so this brother, I felt, was attacking me. My own son was attacking me. And because he thought we should have included the brothers, brotherhood in it sooner. But you're trying to work through a situation where you can't work through it anymore. And so you got to let the brotherhood know and... Then all of a sudden, you feel like you're on the chopping block. Ooh, that's not very pleasant. I hate conflict. And so, our tongue, it says it's full of deadly poison. Why is there so many depressed people today? Well, they listen to a tongue, just spewing out the what ifs, what could happen. Uh, did you, it, uh, it's almost this way. Well, okay. Almost didn't never. Anybody go hunting? Has your almost arrow ever hit something? Has your almost target, well, I pulled the trigger, almost got it. Ever happened to shoot a deer? No. And so it talks about us being in the image of God. And here we curse our brother, our sister, who's made in our image. You know, every time we go to that mirror, we should say, I'm made in the image of God. How would I like to be treated? And that's how we should open our mouth and treat someone else. It talks about, in verse 13, Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out the good conversation his work with meekness of wisdom. We've got a lot of wise people here this morning. But you can say one word and you can take away all that wisdom away. That one word that would hurt your brother or your sister. Or they can watch how you walk. His walk doesn't match up to what he's trying to say. I had a fuel man, he says... 
if you don't pay on time and you're telling me about Jesus, might as well just be quiet. And so they are watching. Our neighbors are watching how we walk. We can have all the right words, say all the right things, but if our walk doesn't match our talk, you might as well shut up. It talks about the wisdom that is above. It's first pure, peaceable, gentle, willingness to yield to reasoning. It's full of mercy. It's of good fruit. This summer, well, a few years ago, I was delivering hay to a man, and I'd known him for quite a while, and he brought me this nice, beautiful peach. And I bit into that peach, and it was so good. So you know what I did? I was on the lookout for another peach just like it. It, it, it was the one I wanted, and I couldn't find it. Peach season has, was over. So this year I was set out on a mission to find some good peaches again. And so they have these little peaches for six for $12. So I bring them home. You know what's underneath the six on top? This little pruny or little one shriveled up one that shouldn't have been in there. Well, you know what my thoughts were, you know. It talks about hypocrisy. You know, all them beautiful peaches on top, they look good, but that one bad peach was the hypocrisy in the whole thing. And then I bought this big box of peaches, and every one was nice size, and they tasted good. And they were expensive. My wife said, you know how much they cost? I said, yeah. But what's, what's the price of good, good fruit? And so that's the message I want to leave with us. We enjoy good, the best fruit, the best peach. We're willing to share that. And so when people look at our life, it says in verse 18, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. Isn't that the kind of fruit we all should be? All speak that fruit that makes peace. So may God bless us as we let God share his love to us to show a better way through our tongue to those we meet.